This is a Soul Fire production. Are you ready to enhance your sexual, erotic, and relational intelligence? Welcome to Higher Sex, where we take sex education to the next level. Come here to get curious about sex and cultivate acceptance, deep love, and intimacy. No topic is too hot to handle. As a psychotherapist and sexologist, Kelly playfully leads listeners through worlds of informative and actionable sex education, personal stories from her inspirational guests, and leading edge research from trusted experts. Higher sex is scandalous and explorative, leaving you wanting more. Let's keep this conversation going. Subscribe today so you don't miss out on these hot new episodes each week. Hello and welcome back to the show. Today we have the one, the only Lindsay Kenna on the show. She is a friend and colleague and someone that I really love working closely with. She's a master's level registered social worker, certified sexologist, and she specializes in sex and relationship therapy. So I hope that you really enjoy the show. She is a wealth of information. We're going to be talking about sex therapy and mindful sex and how to minimize anxiety and get into the present moment. So stick around. I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show, Lindsay. I'm so excited to have you on. Ooh, I'm so excited to be here. I know we get to talk about sex all the time because we work together and we work closely together. We're always doing trainings and everything together, but it's fun to, I guess, talk on a podcast. We've never done this before. Yeah, brand new. So I guess I just want to start with how did, because I, I know we always get asked this question all the time, but like, how did you get into sex therapy and how did you become obsessed with sex and feel so comfortable talking about sex? Like, where does, where did your story start? Well, I always feel like I was really comfortable talking about sex. Even when I think back to like being in high school with my friends and stuff, I always felt pretty comfortable talking about sex. And then I got it in my head that I really wanted to be, which now seems like absolutely ridiculous to me. But I got it in my head when I was in high school that I wanted to become a child psychologist. Oh, wow. Which is like, <laughs> and you know, I don't work with children at all. Kids, so it was, yeah. Yeah, it was totally um, not in my wheelhouse. But I got it in my head that I wanted to become a child psychologist. And so I applied to the University of Waterloo, got in, and I was just doing like a general arts where then I could stream into my major in my second year. And I took like a bunch of psych classes and I really liked them, but my problem was I could not do multiple choice tests. Like no matter how hard I studied, the psychology ones, they really messed me up. Like I was going from getting 80s and 90s in high school to all of a sudden like being 50s in these psych classes. And so- hard adjustment. Oh, it was wild. I was like, I remember being, I mean, I was 19, but I remember being so upset because I was like, what is going on here? And so then I also took in my same first year, uh, sexuality, marriage and family courses through that program at the University of Guelph, or sorry, University of Waterloo. So I met with an academic advisor when it came down to picking my major. And uh, she was just kind of like, yeah, like, do you actually want to go into psych? Because you don't really have the marks to be doing psychology. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess like, what are my other options? And she said, well, you do really well in the sexuality, marriage and family program. Why don't you go through that stream? And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds like fun. Because again, in my head, I was like, okay, if I can't become a child psychologist, then I can become a therapist of some kind. So maybe I'll do family therapy. Right. So like the social sciences you're really drawn to. Yeah. Social sciences and family therapy was like, I don't even know. It's still not something I do now, but um, at that time I was like, oh, this is cool. And then 
So I got psychology out of my head. I still took all of the psychology courses I possibly could. I think by the time I graduated, I had 11 psych classes on my... um, So almost a double major. Yeah. It was on my transcript. But because I could never get my marks super high, they wouldn't even qualify it as like a minor because of my stupid multiple choice test course. So the hard thing about school is like you give this generic test and it's like the only way to understand if someone has the concepts or not, or can understand it. But I'm sure if they had a conversation with you, it'd be way different. Oh, it was totally different. If I had done, um, like in the psych classes where there were, where there was options to like- Or essay tests, yeah. Yeah, those ones I I was getting really good marks in, but because psych classes were so- big. I think that's why they went with like multiple choice tests. So I went into SMF. I really liked it. I really liked the profs there. I was like, oh, this feels really comfortable. And then I started doing more of like the sexuality and relationship courses. And I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. This is my jam. And so, yeah, I really wanted to do then sex therapy, couples therapy, and individual therapy. Definitely a shift from child psychology and family therapy. And so when I was then finishing up my SMF degree, I had sat down again with another academic advisor. He was a psychologist there and he was kind of like, oh, like, what are you planning on doing afterwards? And I was like, I'm not hundred percent sure. And he actually told me to maybe stream into social work to do like a bachelor of social work and then do my master's of social work. Cause he was like, if you want to do counseling, that's actually like the better route to go. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a good plan. And so I did that. And then as I was doing that, I realized like, yeah, even in social work, the areas that I was kind of doing practicums in, which were children's groups. And then I did some work with older adults in a retirement home. I still was like, this isn't my thing. This doesn't feel right. I really want to go back into like sexuality. Sexuality. Yeah. yeah. And in the end, I, I got my MSW and then I went on to just take extra courses in sexuality to really kind of hone in on your skills. Yes, for sure. And then um, obviously did doing like couples therapy courses as well, like Gottman, EFT and stuff. Oh my gosh. It sounds like um, you had your mindset on something and then the universe had a different plan for you. And it, But it also sounds like you had some great advisors to really guide you and open your eyes to other possibilities, which really worked out for you because you now you are living your dream and yeah. living your passion, working with yeah. couples and individuals and adults and still talking about sex and really focusing on healthy sexuality and relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny that you say it like that because it was it felt like that at the time like every time I was like okay let's I'll just do this then it was like no like go back to what you want to do go back to what actually makes sense for you so yeah I'm super happy that I landed where I landed yeah now we get to work at bliss together so fun and you're always taking different workshops and courses constantly because it sounds like you're insatiably curious just to learn more and more and more yeah I feel like every year there's something else that I want to learn and kind of just add it into my toolbox I and I think I think I tell my clients a lot of times I'm not coming from just like one modality. Like I don't just practice from CBT. I don't just practice from a solution focused lens. Like I feel like I pull from my toolbox really kind of depending on like where they're at and what they need. Awesome. So you really try to meet people where they're at and get a real deep understanding of who they are and how they came to be and then collaborate with them on how to attain their goals or reach their goals or work through whatever they're wanting to work through. Yeah. I feel like it's very client centered. So what do you see a lot of, um, within the types of cases that you work on? Like what are a lot of the similarities in terms of people that you see? Like, is it a lot of sexual dysfunctions? Is it desire discrepancies? Is it like communication stuff? Like what would you say are your like top three trends 
trends in your practice? I think definitely desire discrepancy is the number one. I feel like when people come to me, desire discrepancy, yeah, there's been sexual dysfunction too. A lot of times just people feeling like they're not clicking and then there's like other stuff that's coming from that. So a lot of times focusing back onto like the quality of their experiences and the quality of their relationship. But yeah, I would definitely say it's desire discrepancy, sexual dysfunction, and then people just like not feeling aligned in their sexual experiences. So meaning that someone might be having a really good time and the other person is not having a good time or someone's wanting one type of sex in a certain way or frequency and the other person is just wanting it differently? Oh yeah, for sure. So what would you say is like um, something you wish everyone would know before even getting to the stage of like exploring couples therapy? Because I know even before we started pressing record, we were talking a little bit about how the penis and vagina sex is like not the only good type of sex. Can you elaborate a little bit more on how, what you wish people would know or what you would, or a good way for people to be able to explore other types of pleasure? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So like the first thing that always comes to my mind is like having a conversation with your partner around like what sex means to you. So you can really get an understanding of like where they're at, because there are some people who are like, oh, this is just like a physical experience, physically pleasurable. This is kind of where my head goes at. This is where I chase, but this is what I chase. And then there are other people who are like, no, it's like this really deep, connective, emotionally intimate experience for me. And so I think sometimes then when people are kind of playing on different fields, they're coming to the situation. I don't want to say with different goals, but with like different expectations and again meaning to what what these experiences are for them so is like what an example would be is like one person's like I'm going to feel really emotionally in tune and close to you and then another person might feel like oh I'm going to have an orgasmic release and that's going to help me relieve stress and whatever else right right so what and they're so, wanting out of it is different yeah what they're wanting okay. out of it is different and so then um when they come to these experiences or when these experiences aren't necessarily feeding into that they might feel like oh I feel emotionally disconnected from my partner because we're not having this kind of sex that I want to be having or then they're struggling with like, oh, like for me, sex means this pleasurable physical experience. And then it's not working. Maybe they're not having an orgasm or they're having difficulty getting or maintaining an erection, right? So I think first of all, having a good conversation about like what sex means and some of the expectations that they're tying into these experiences, I think that's really important. And then I would even say like to kind of go through that in terms of like, what does sex even look like for you? Because a lot of times we put so much pressure and so much focus, sorry, on sex being penetrative. That That is what it is. This is what it means to me. This is what I want to do. And it's so much more than that, right? So like really taking the pressure off of it needing to be penetration and really going for all the other different ways that we can feel stimulated during sex. And that can feed into toxic masculinity too, right? Like if you look at me and don't have a rock hard penis, then something is wrong with you or you're not attracted to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So people can start, I guess, projecting onto that different narratives that aren't necessarily true, right? Because everyone is going to experience some sexual dysfunction at some time or another or not always be able to feel aroused or turned on, you know, on demand. Yeah. 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 I totally understand. I totally feel that too, because so often we hear these experiences of like how much pressure there is to be put on this fact that we need this like rock hard erection. And then that kind of gets people into more of that like performance focused sex where they're then really conscious of like, okay, this is what I need to do. And this is the next step. And then they get caught in that kind of loop and they're totally pulling themselves out of their body and into their head. Right. And they get stuck up there instead of really feeling like what's feeling good in their body and what can they focus back in on in terms of their sensations and the pleasure and finding their way through it too. But you're, 
I think you're touching on something else there too, where um, you even said it can get more complicated and bleed into other areas of people's relationships. And so if someone is having erectile difficulties, for example, and then all of a sudden their partner takes it personally, like you're not attracted to me, that means you don't think I'm sexy. And then that could feed into self-esteem issues. And then the partner's like, if I don't have an erection, they're going to think all these things. And now we're getting in a fight. And then it kind of, it cascades, right? It can just kind of go to very complicated, painful places. I feel like it totally snowballs from there, right? And again, I think that's, you just touched on that too, Kelly, because I'm sure you see that in your practice, like how oftentimes we have partners coming in saying like, I don't think my partner's attracted to me anymore. There's something wrong with them. They're not able to get this erection. We can't have sex. And again, if their meaning of sex is like, it's this emotionally connected experience and it means that their partner cares for them and all this kind of stuff, that's all being triggered then by them not being able to get this erection. So like really clearing the air, being like, it has nothing to do with this attraction for you. It could be that they are self-conscious, that they're getting stuck in like performance cycle, like that there could be all this other stuff happening for them that has nothing to do with you. I think sometimes that can actually be a little bit reassuring when people know that, okay, it has nothing to do with whether or not my partner is attracted to me. Because you can still very feel very much attracted to your partner, but yeah. still not feel that sexual desire, urgency, or state of arousal too. And to your point, you can have an intrusive thought and all of a sudden it just all goes out the window. Yeah. Or um, there could be something physiological going on too. Like you don't, yeah. you don't know what's going on there. So I think meeting with a therapist or meeting with a doctor, try to explore what's going on, but also normalizing. It's not always going to be at a 10 on demand for your entire life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And even like that desire piece too, like recognizing all the other parts that can kind of play into that too. And like what's happening in their life. Are they really stressed out at work? Like, is there a lot of stuff happening in the home with your family and like how that can even impact again, getting people getting caught up in their head and not actually able to be in the moment with their partners. Yeah, it was really is a mind-body connection, right? What are some ways that you encourage people to start exploring their sexuality or even learning about sex in adulthood, right? Because you go through the puberty classes in elementary school and maybe learn about abstinence and STIs in high school. You got to take a whole degree in sexuality, marriage, and family, which is awesome and probably share with all of your friends and now with your clients. But where are some other places that you encourage um, folks to start exploring about sex positivity or sexual wellness in general? Yeah. So like one of the things I think is to kind of connect back in with yourself and really just explore yourself and see like what kinds of touch and simulation you even like for yourself. So that's a good starting point. I also think like really slowing down your sexual experiences again, like maybe even taking penetration out of the, out of the equation for a little bit and like really reconnecting in with like kissing, touching, oral sex, um, like hand stimulation, really figuring out like what are ways that I even like to be stimulated and slowing that right down, right? Even before you get, or even if you want to add penetration back in, but really slowing that down. And then I think you can always jump to resources too. Like there's lots of good books out there. The ones I think that I have suggested to a lot of clients are Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. That is like one of my favorite. Yeah, that is one of my favorite for women. I really like Better Sex Through Mindfulness, How Women Can Cultivate Desire by Lori Brado. I really like that one. Um, I like Not Always in the Mood by Sarah Hunter Murray. That one is more directed to males. And it actually is a good one because it can kind of, it's like a myth buster. It like oh, kind of goes yeah. through um, different myths that we have about male sexuality and desire. And so I really like that one. I think that's really normalizing and reassuring for, for male clients. And then I like the guide to getting it on um, or unzipped the guide to getting it on. That one's really fun. And that one too, like you don't have to 
read from like start to finish, you can sort of flip through. So if you're like really interested in reading more about oral sex, you can jump to that section. Or if like you're really interested in um, like threesomes or something, you can jump to that section. Or even there's um, a chapter on just kissing. So that one I also think can be helpful for adults who are trying to kind of learn a little bit more and connect back. But really, I think starting with your body, starting with uh, your expectations, having conversations and really just kind of like laying it out there and like, what are you hoping to get from all this? And that it can be relational in your personally. And I love that you're saying start, it starts with yourself. So if you're wanting to improve your sex life or to improve or connect with your sexuality and heighten your pleasure in some way, start to explore, you know, sex on your own, like whether that's exploring your body or exploring resources and then opening up the dialogue with your partner versus saying, Hey, we need to fix our sex life or we need to do a better job with this. What are, what are you going to do about it? So yeah. taking some initiative and demonstrating to your partner or partners that you really do want to prioritize this and it's important to you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think the the communication piece is so big in that, right? Because again, like there's so much tied to us as like sexual beings that sometimes when we start having conversations about what we're wanting or what we're thinking we're wanting or our expectations or meanings, we can almost get like our back up against the wall. We can begin to feel a little bit just defensive. And um, so I really think just like being open to this conversation, walking in there, being kind to one another, talking more about like what's been feeling good, what's been working really well, and really emphasizing that instead of this, you know, I really don't like it when you do this. And this is, this is awful. And like being really hurtful in your conversation, I think just really, um, yeah, practicing those good communication skills and being open to like what can come from this kind of dialogue. I also think um, something I've also been suggesting to some of my clients recently is like the Gottman deck of cards. It's an app. Yeah, I see them in your office. <laughs> well, yeah. Now they have an app, okay, but sometimes I take them out of your office and play with them myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like the, the, the Gottman deck of cards he has like he has his love maps in there and he has um his open-ended questions deck and you can kind of just flip through those and those are more relationally but he also has a section in there called sex questions and I think that like some of those sex questions can be good just to start conversations right they talk about masturbation they talk about fantasy they talk about desire they talk about how can we communicate in the middle of a sexual interaction so like if people feel like they're a little bit lost in terms of how do they even start talking about something like that might even just be able to jog something for you even if you don't use the actual deck of cards and you're not flipping through them asking all the questions it might be a good start to um, kind of figure out like what's going on up in your head and what is it that you're trying to to get out of these conversations and talk about with your partner and I love the idea of it because it just disrupts the monotony right like if you're always talking about the same stuff and even right now it feels like Groundhog Day over and over again right. um, so having a tool to spark new types of conversations out of curiosity reflection um, takes the pressure off of you to figure out how to bring all this new stuff to the table and even just starting there by being more communicative with one another and exploring some of these, I guess you call them prompts or conversation starters. Yeah. And just start to connect more there and practice communicating more openly with one another. Yeah, for sure. I, I really like the idea of like how, if people feel like they're stuck and they don't really know where to start, seeing those cards. I feel like there's probably a lot of other resources out there too. Like if the, that Gottman deck of cards isn't your jam, then you can always, I think like Google uh, resources on like how to start sexual conversations. And and you just kind of want to get an idea of like where, what are you even trying to get out of this, right? Like you know that there's something happening and you're wanting to start the conversation. Yeah, so sometimes it's just like a prompt can help to jog that. And I love that you're even saying, well, what is the goal of this? What do you want out of it? What's the intention? Because is it, do you want to know what 
your partner is turned on by? Do you want your partner to know how you like them to initiate sex or certain types of touches or a specific sex act or sexual experience you've had together you would like to kind of recreate or spend more time cultivating with one another versus just being like, hey, let's talk about sex (laughs) and then just dropping this big bomb and not knowing where to take it from there. Well, I think like just even that, like, let's talk about sex. I feel like people's minds would go to like, okay, but like, what do you want to talk about in sex? Because it's just like- So vast. Yeah, it's so vast. There's so much, there's so many areas we can talk about. I really like, yeah, starting with meanings and expectations and kind of going from there too. And those books that I said, they're they're great resources to even kind of get those gears working in your head too. You do a lot of work um, with anxiety as well though. And you're, you're a hypnotherapist too, and you actually- just finished a group hypnotherapy group for anxiety mm-hmm. and you even one of your books is around mindfulness so would you say that a lot of um cultivating desire or being attentive to your sexuality and your sexual needs is paying attention and being mindful and trying to minimize some of the noise and the inner critic that's like more your area of specialization like what would you say that people need to do to start to work through some of their anxiety or some strategies for that or the stress right or the intrusive thoughts yeah. and all that sort of stuff and start to practice or cultivate a mindfulness practice that they could transfer into the bedroom if they decided to? Oh, there's so much in there. Okay. Loaded question. Loaded question. Okay. The first thing that kind of comes to my mind is like for the stress and anxiety piece is like, if you're feeling really amped up and anxious, it's really hard to like get into the moment with your partner or even with yourself. Right. So I would say like trying your best to like minimize your anxiety and stress in life. So learning the coping strategies that really work for you, trying to end your stress cycle. I think like Emily Nagoski talks about in her brain notebook um which lives in your body right so she says like disrupted somehow yeah yeah so i think um like for a lot of women we cry uh you can do yoga get your body moving in some way to get that um to get that energy out right but i think yeah just just really taking care of like your anxiety and stress so whether that's like working with your therapist or doing your strategies your meditation your mindfulness practice whatever it is you need to do to kind of work through your anxiety um i think that's a really important piece and then in terms of like getting back into your body because when we're so anxious in those intrusive thoughts are, are kind of stuck there we really do um stay up in our heads right and so i think a good practice that i've been suggesting to people is i call them mindful minutes. I don't really know what else to call them. Um, But it's something that you can just practice, you know, throughout your day when you're doing something that can be like taking some time while you're brushing your teeth, for example. This is, this is one of the cheesy examples that I give my, I give my clients because I'm sometimes really bad with examples, but brushing your teeth, you can like watch yourself in the mirror. So you're activating sight. You can smell the minty tooth paste so you're activating smell you can taste the toothpaste and there's like a lot of touch sensations when you're brushing your teeth right and you can also then hear you can hear yourself brushing your teeth so you can really focus in on your senses in that moment um and then just being like really aware of like okay i'm brushing my teeth where's my head at how am i feeling just taking a moment to kind of be there with yourself and not judging yourself and kind of just accepting the thoughts as they're coming. So I like doing those like mindful minutes throughout the day. It could be when you're out for a walk, like paying attention to like how your feet are moving on the cement and like all the sounds out in nature, the smells, things that you can see. Sometimes people are like, well, what if you can't taste something? Then I say like, oh, okay, if you can't taste something, then focus back in on your breath and like maybe do some like breathing exercises and stuff. So I think sometimes it's really good to have these like mindful minutes when we're not really anxious or even if we are anxious to kind of bring us back into the moment um and once we get good at doing these mindful minutes throughout the day we can then bring that back into like our our sexual experiences and if we find our minds start to wander to like 
the laundry or all the chores I have to do. You can bring yourself back into your body by really connecting in with your senses. So if you get good at it outside of the bedroom, then you can get really good at it. Yeah. And figuring out like, okay, what sen- what sensations can I focus on right now that are bringing you back into my body? I love that so much. It sounds like easy, like it's not super easy, but it doesn't sound like it's um unreasonable request to just say, okay, like take a couple minutes, mindful minutes. I love that. Um, while you're brushing your teeth or just like going for a walk outside and then it's like strengthening a muscle. So as it gets stronger and you can do that, like the time to kind of get into that experience is quicker and quicker Then it's easier to be able to cultivate that in other scenarios. Oh, for sure. And it's just like when, when somebody's really anxious, if we want to say, okay, just take some deep breaths. Right. But like, if they haven't been practicing that when they're not anxious, it's all of a sudden hard for them to do like a deep breathing exercise while they're in the middle of a panic attack. So it's always good to practice these things when you're, yeah, when you're just kind of going throughout your day, going for a walk, brushing your teeth, eating food, I think is another one that can be like very sensory based, taking a shower, like you can be feeling your body and everything. So yeah, I think the mindful minutes as silly and as small of a practice as that might sound can have like such a huge benefit in terms of like helping you to jump back into your body. And then also to like really noticing your sensations and like all the things that are feeling very um, pleasurable to you, right? And you can focus back in on those as well when you're not stuck up in your head. But yeah, it's definitely easier said than done, right? So that's definitely why it can be um, a muscle that you strengthen more of. And I think also like an acceptance of like your emotions, because that's really big with with anxiety too, right? Like we, we want to distract ourselves so fast. As soon as something comes up, we're like, oh no, I'm feeling really anxious about this. I need to do something to distract myself. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the emotion is going to go away. So I think like letting ourselves feel things and accepting them and being like, okay, this is where I'm at right now. It's also really important in terms of like your mindful practice. And in, and instead of running away from it, you can start to see what that voice is saying or the inner dialogue is like, and maybe start to pivot it and turn it around to being more self-compassion versus the inner critic, right? Like if you're being really harsh with yourself or holding yourself to super high expectations and, you know, riding yourself so hard, then it's hard to really feel like you can drop into a place of receiving pleasure from a partner or feeling worthy of um, good sex if you're always being harsh with yourself. So I love that you, you know, the mindful minutes is good to kind of get into your sensory experiences, but also paying attention to how you're feeling and nurturing yourself in that way a bit more. And like the thought patterns that you can jump into, right? Like earlier we mentioned like being like, like getting into that performance headspace. And so sometimes people will have some of those intrusive thoughts, like what is my body doing right now? What am I looking like? What is my partner experiencing? And as soon as we kind of get into that headspace and we're becoming more of a performer, we're not being an experiencer anymore. And so we want to be able to jump back into like our bodies and like what's feeling really pleasurable and can this be more experiential rather than performance-based? It's all about the experience. Pleasure is the measure. <laughs> I love it. I know that's what Emily Nagowski is like go-to saying is because again, it's like a lot of times we're so focused on getting it over with or what's the quickest way that we, we can take to get there versus actually indulging and enjoying, you know, sex for what it is, which could be a pleasurable experience. But sometimes it's fun to just get it over with too and have a nice quickie. But yeah, if that's the only way you're doing it eventually, you know, that's going to... Well, that brings up a good point too, Kel, because like how many times people say like, I like, I just do it for my partner. I just want to get it over with. And like your partner can tell, and then they're not having the kinds of experiences that they want to be having where their partner is desiring and wanting, wanting them in those moments. Right. And that's so uncomfortable. So many times people are like, I hate it. I want to have sex. I want to feel connected to my partner because again, that's part of their meaning of sex. But then when they go to do it and their partner's just like, okay, like let's just hurry up. It's yeah, it's totally not good. It loses its fun for everyone. Right. It might serve like a partial, a part of the purpose, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I really wanted to have this experience with you, not just, um, you know, with you, but not with you. Yeah. (laughs) 
Awesome. This conversation has been so fun. We're going to have to do it again. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So people can get in touch with you at Bliss Counseling or on Instagram with Sessions with Lynn. She's always posting cool. What did you say? You use like a sex dictionary on there where you're always like breaking down yeah. different definitions and stuff. Yeah. So right. I don't even know how I got into that, but I, I like saw one of my books in my library and it's called, it's called a sectionary. And so it just has like all these different sex words and terms. And so I thought it would be fun to do like every other post, just throw in one of the words. So I've kind of been working my way through the alphabet. I think right now I'm working on M, which is for makeup sex. So that's the one I plan to post next. Just a little break in January from posting. But yeah, I, I like I like doing um, some words and terms that come up that people might just be a little bit more interested in and, more interested. and sending links for resources. They can maybe check out articles or something online. Awesome. Okay. Well, we're definitely gonna have to uh, have you back on to keep talking about sex, but I know that we will probably be talking about it later today again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Lindsay. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. 